our brand new campus. Man, this is our fourth week. It has now been a month. And uh, man, what a miracle this has been. If you're new to Anchor Bend, uh, we started this journey. It was about 19 months ago. Uh, we felt the Lord say yes on this building. It was the old tractor supply uh, company building. I mean, no, it didn't look anything like it. I know people saw it. They're like, what? In the, how are they going to make a church out of that? I mean, this thing looks like it was always meant to be a church. And uh, nobody will remember what it used to be and what a miracle it has been. And so if you walked in and you saw some of the construction, it's going to take us probably another four to six weeks, finish it up. And but um, don't, don't mind the mess. We'll clean up. We've got a little, some supplies over here. And we're going to have our grand opening at the end of January, 1st of February. And uh, we are excited about that. We'll do a big, uh, you know, blast out to the community and, uh, and then just make it a big party. We're going to have a grand opening season. So we are so thrilled about that. At the end of this month, we'll have our sign up, uh, which will be good. Somebody yeah, you got to put some sign on the building. And... Um, Man, just so many great, great things that are happening. This morning, uh, it's a privilege uh, to have uh, one of my dearest friends here, Pastor Jeremy Foster, is in the house, and we're so thrilled. Uh, I've been trying to get him here. I told him we're doing, uh, you know, through October, I'd love to have him here. He's one of our overseers, and he texted me last week, said, hey, I can make it if you still want me to come. I'm like, yes, yes, and yes, Amen. Uh, he said, are you in a series? I said, no, sir. You can preach whatever the Lord has put on your heart. Um, and so he is in just a second. I do want you to know that as a church, uh, we have multiple layers of leadership that help guide our church. Um, and so we have pastoral elders, part of our leadership team. Uh, they're on site. We meet every week. They lead the church in the daily operations and yearly budget. Uh, but we also have trustees. Our trustees oversee the finances, help us with all contracts and financial obligations. And there's not just a one-man show. There's teams of people making sure this is a good fit for us, that the church will not only survive but thrive. Um, And so we're so grateful for each and every one of them and their leadership, especially through the pandemic. Hadn't it been amazing to see that in the middle of a pandemic, God helped us buy this building, renovate it in six months, and then have our first services here. Only God could do that. I'll never forget the word he gave us was Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? And we are standing in a place that is not too hard for God. It's been a miracle. But thank you to the trustees for navigating that and helping us make this a reality. And then the last ones are overseers. Those are the spiritual oversight for me and Pastor Phyllis. Uh, And there are three of our overseers, Pastor Josh Joins, Pastor Kim Del Glasgow, uh, and then Pastor Jeremy and Jennifer Foster. And uh, so we are so thrilled. They've been on this journey with us the entire time. In fact, Jen, would you just stand up and wave at everybody for us? Just this Pastor Jennifer Foster. And they've got three of their beautiful kids here this morning with us. But you may not know, they, they've been a part of this journey for, it's, we've been together about a decade. 
Uh, I was thinking about it this morning. So before this, before we ever had our first meeting, uh, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Jennifer believed in us, met with us, and said, we're all in. Whatever we can do, uh, we're going to go on this journey with you. And then, of course, they started their own journey six years ago. It's 2015. They launched one of the greatest churches in America, Hope City, here in Houston, Texas. And um, it has been amazing to see what God has done in and through their life, their ministry. And it's simply because of their heart. I've never met a more generous couple, a more loving couple, a more believing couple, an empowering couple uh, that loves God and simply wants the kingdom of God to advance. Not egos, not logos, just God's kingdom. Um, and so it has been such a privilege. They're, they're the kinds of friends that you, you vacation with, and uh, they've been there at our best days, and they've been there at our worst days. Come on, how many know you got to have those kinds of friends? And uh, these, this couple has been that to us. And this morning, I just want to get out of the way. How many know when you got a freight train here, you just got to get out of the way? And uh, I'm so thrilled and honored. And would you stand on your feet, please? And please welcome to the stage, Pastor Jeremy Foster. Come on, church. Come on, let's give Jesus an ovation of worship right now. Come on, let's give it up for the king of the world. God, you are good. You can be seated. What an incredible honor it is for Jennifer and I to be here with our friends. I get to travel a lot, and uh, it really is an honor and a joy to get to see what God is doing all over the world, but to get to see what God is doing here with our friends Jim and Phyllis, just such incredible leaders, and, uh, but, but better friends than they are anything. And you guys are great at everything, but really, uh, Jim is one of those guys. Pastor Jim is one of those guys where uh, he, he can write. Uh, you know what? I don't know if you can sing. I'm pretty sure you can't. I've stood beside you in worship before. Um, yes, thank you. That, what a revelation. Thank you, God. One thing he can't do. Um, He's one of those guys who's just smart at everything. And uh, you're blessed to have not just a great pastoral leader, a great pastoral teacher, but he's also a really good business mind and a good businessman, a, a guy who came with uh, commercial and secular success and chose, I, I want to follow what God has called me to do. This wasn't a fallback. This wasn't, a, well, I can't do anything else. I've literally heard guys before say, well, I can't do anything else, so I just got to do, I got a pastor. I'm like, that's the worst excuse to be a pastor ever. You're going to succeed. Um, but I'm grateful that we have really smart leaders. Can you give your pastors a great big hand? I'll, I love you so much, man. Yeah, I think you ought to stand. I think a standing ovation is in order. I love you guys so much. The sacrifice, the hard work, the effort, the energy. This is the payoff, baby. And hey, how about this building? Isn't this great? I will tell you, you can be seated. I think it's awesome that the first time I was in this building was 2017. And we were stacking stuff for, for Hurricane Harvey, and we came down here, and we were doing waters and all this stuff. Isn't it cool that God prepares a place for you as he prepares you for a place? That before this was a church, this was a clearinghouse for ministry. This was a clearinghouse to provide things that people had to have. And now we sent things from here, and now people come here, and we will still send things from here. I believe God, he prepared this place. And I don't think it's any accident that it was a tractor supply. I think that's awesome. 
Just study a little bit about farming all throughout the scripture. God talks about seed time. He talks about harvest. He talks about good ground. And so I think God has been preparing this place for a long time for an incredible revival from here for the region. This is not just a local church. This is a regional church. And as I was studying for the weekend, I had a couple of things that I was feeling and that I was wanting to talk about. And then the Lord dropped this in my heart. And I really believe we are on the threshold of a promise. This is a promise that started many, many years ago in the hearts of two great leaders. But we are now on the threshold of it. How many of you know that it takes somebody to step, somebody to go first? And I'm grateful that we have leaders and pastors who did that. But now they bring us with them to walk into what God has called us to walk into. It's the threshold. You know what a threshold is. You walk across them all the time. It's, it's the transition from where I was to where I'm going. And you get to decide which side of the threshold you're going to stay on. I believe we're on the threshold of a promise. How many of y'all were raised by, uh, by strict parents? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Well, let me, let me ask you this way. How many of y'all got spankings as a kid? You got spankings and you're in church, so don't get mad about it because they did good. I never got a spanking. I got a whooping. That's a different thing, all right? That's a Texas size spanking, okay? But I remember my, my dad used to say this, and I don't know how many of y'all ever, like my mother would talk to me. My father would just look at me. You ever get the look just, and it was like, you're fixing to die. And my dad would look at me and he would say this, if you don't straighten up, did you ever, be, get, did you ever hear that? Your parents ever say that? Did you ever get beat because you went like this? <laughs> I did. Um, if you don't straighten up, let's say we were going to Chuck E. Cheese or we're going to the park or we're going wherever. He would say, if you don't straighten up, we're not going to do anything that you wanted to do today. Now, what was he saying? He wasn't saying because of your behavior, I don't love you anymore. Because of your behavior, I'm not going to be your father and you're not going to be my son. Because of your behavior, I'm kicking you out of the house. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, because of your behavior, if you don't act right, if you don't do what I have told you to do, it will keep you out of what I have prepared you to walk into. So I can tell you this as a church, it really is our obedience that keeps us on one side or the other of the threshold of this promise. And I'm grateful that we are a part of a church that is saying, yes, Lord, we hear you. We're ready. Let's go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go. <laughs> Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So you have a choice. You get to decide what you're gonna do with what God has placed before you. In Joshua chapter one, Moses has just died. He's the last of the previous generation. There's only two left, which I don't know that that's ever happened, where there's only two of the previous generation left, and they're the only ones who remember they're the only ones who remember all of those incredible things. And so they've told everybody about it. This is what God's capable of. This is what God's able to do. Because all of the previous generation just didn't believe that God could do what he said he could do. Now, this young generation that's been living in the desert, they've grown in the desert. Their, 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 their clothes have grown with them. They've eaten manna all the time. They've lived in God's provision, but they've never walked into God's promise. 
And Joshua tells them something that the Lord told me to tell you. He tells them something. I want you to get this. They've never even heard this before. They've been doing the same thing every day for 40 years. And Joshua calls them together. Joshua chapter one. Then Joshua issued instructions to the leaders of Israel to tell the people to get ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. They never had to get ready for anything. They did the same thing every day. Get ready for what? More manna? Get ready to go get a new shirt? Nope. That's the same shirt you were wearing when you were three. Same one. It grew with you. Nice style. I think you've had it for a long time. Get ready. They've never had to get ready. He says, get ready to cross the Jordan River. I want you to notice this. In three days. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. In three days, we will go across... We will conquer and we will live in the land which God has given us. Now, I want you to notice there's three different things. We're going to go across. Oh, that's, isn't it amazing crossing over and going, whoa, we're here. We're in the building, y'all. We still got a few things here and there, but we're in the building. We crossed over. Isn't that great? But now we have to conquer. What? I thought you said this is the promised land. It is the promised land. I promise you're going to have to fight some giants when you get there. I promise you're going to have to dig in the ground. Listen, some of us are so used to living on God's provision that we don't know how to walk in his promise. When I live in the provision of God, here's what that means. That means that manna rains from heaven. My clothes grow with me, and that's fine. I'm living in the provision. When I live in the promise, the manna doesn't rain from heaven anymore. I have to plant seeds, but I get the opportunity to have a part of what God wants to give me, which is a great harvest, but it's going to take effort and it's going to take energy and it's going to take hard work and we can't relax. We're going to conquer and then we're going to live in the land. Some of us vacation in the land that God has given us. We live in the provision of God because, you know, just a little spiritual lazy every now and then. I really don't want to pray. I really don't want to go through growth track. I really don't want to get on the dream team. I really don't want to do missions. I really don't want to give. I just want to ever now and then tuck my toe into the promise and go, wow, isn't this cool? That's amazing. All right, you guys keep doing that. But God has called Anchor Ben to step across the threshold and say, all right, this is not all that God wants for us. This is just the beginning. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is just the beginning. I believe that. God loves to do new things. If you read Revelations chapter 21, this is the last chapter in the last book of the Bible. And here's what it says. The one seated on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. Then he said, write this down for these words are faithful and true. Two reasons why I like it. Number one, because it rhymes. Behold, I make all things new. Write this down. These words are faithful and true. This is written by John, the revelator, little John, the revelator. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'm an idiot. The real preacher will be back next weekend, guys, okay? But also what I love about it is God, if you read it, this is chronological. This, this book is, is about the end, and God's going, yeah, I know we're talking about the end, but at the end, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something brand new that you've never seen, and it's going to blow your mind what I'm going to do. My words are faithful and true, and if it's a promise, then I can have it. God wants to do something 
new. God loves new. He loves new. His, his first miracle. And I'm, can I just be, is it okay if I just like, I've had moments like where I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You ever, you ever had that? Or are y'all too holy to admit it? <laughs> if you think Jesus' very first miracle, John 2, is water into wine. Jesus, are you just bringing the party? I don't understand. Like, think about, like, like literally, they're at a wedding, and he's with his mother, and because he liked to hang out with his mom, and he's got some of his disciples with him, and his mom comes to me, and she's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you won't believe this, Jesus. Jesus, he's like, are you praying, or do you need some? What do you need? She says, they've run out of wine. And he goes, okay. Actually, what he said is, uh, woman, Where's all the moms at? <laughs> the, the, uh, right here. This is the difference between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Paula, the mother of Jeremy. Because if I'd have said woman to my mama, my mama would be like, Father God, you better get your son. I'm, I'm going to kill him right now. You're going to have to raise him twice. I ain't playing with you, Jesus. But he says, woman, my time has not come yet. Now notice what she does. She doesn't really say anything else to him. She just turns around, she goes over to these servants, and she goes, you see that guy right there? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And you got to know Jesus is like, come on, mama. <laughs> I love it because here's what, here's what Jesus does. Because Jesus loves to answer prayers. And, and, he, and he goes over and he tells them, he says, okay, see the ceremonial cleansing pots over there? These pots were used, and, and theologians argue over the exact use of them, but at the very least, they were used for people to wash their hands when they walked into the building. And the most use of them, they could have washed their hands, their head, and their feet in these pots. And Jesus says, take those pots, fill them with water, then dip a cup out of it and bring it to the governor of the feast or the host of the feast, which would have been the most important person in the community. And he would have been the Lord of the feast at this event, which would have been very, very scary to do. And, and they do it. And they bring the cup to the governor of the feast. You got to know that servant's like, I'm fixed to die. And he drinks it and he declares, this is crazy. Most people use the best wine first. Why? Because people can't taste it by the time it gets to the bad one. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. That's the deepest theological answer I got. And he says, but you guys have saved the best for last. Now, I studied this. The worst thing that could have happened, there's a couple of things that could have happened to the family that ran out of wine during a wedding. Because it was a long event, probably a seven-day party. Okay. Every day they're getting up, they're going and they're drinking wine and they're eating food and it's very, very expensive weddings. The groom's family would have paid for the wine. And if they had run out of wine, number one, very, very embarrassing for the family. Worst case scenario, the bride's family could have sued the groom's family. But I mean, who's gonna do that, right? Like that's a marriage starting on the right foot. That's the worst thing that could have happened. So it tells me, it tells me something. Jesus Jesus loves people so much that he'll, he'll even answer those prayers when you pray, God, I just don't want them to feel bad. I just, God, I just don't want them to be embarrassed. He cares. But also, if you really look at this miracle, I still pondered over the miracle because I'm like, why would, 
I mean, I get it. Don't want him to be embarrassed maybe or wanted to help his mom. I don't know. But if you really dive into the miracle, look at what he did. Look at what he used. He used the vessels that were not cleansed for eating. The vessels that you, I hope somebody hears what I'm saying, that you would never find on a fine dining table. The the dishes that you wouldn't even use in a McDonald's, God says, hey, I want you to get the messed up ones. I want you to get the broken ones. I want you to pour something average and pour something ordinary into them. And out of that average and ordinary, I'm going to do something miraculous and extraordinary because God loves to take broken and make it beautiful. Yeah, this used to be a parts Now God's using this building to bring completion to lives, to bring missing pieces to people that are broken. He loves to do new things, and he's doing something new here. And I'm grateful that we have leaders who pray about it. I can tell you I have spent hours with your pastors agonizing over you, praying for you. I want to make the right decisions. We've talked for hours. I want to do the right thing. I'll call Jim. I've been to eat with him before, and he didn't eat, which is real awkward. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm fasting. I'm like, well, thanks for telling me, because now we're at a public restaurant. I'm eating by myself. We could have just gone and drank some water somewhere. What was he doing? He's fasting for you, praying for you. God, you want to do something new. God, you want to do something different. I love, I love that we have a pastor and leaders who are not married to an old idea. They're able to release an old idea. You remember this church went through a name change. It went through an identity change. Did you realize most guys can't do that? They're like, no, man, God gave me that. And they stay stuck on an old idea that maybe God did give you, but God can change his mind. God can shift. God can do something different. (laughs) Things are seasonal. God loves new. How many of y'all ever been, you ever been riding around in your car and your jam comes on? And you turn into a totally different person. You slide down, you see, you're like, yeah, you know, you see your jam. It's funny how we know songs, right? Like, I, we don't even have to practice what we're getting ready to do. I have faith in you that you know this song. I'm going to start it, and you're going to sing it with me. Are you ready? We don't even have to practice. Sweet Caroline, good times never look so good. And that's the club version, so I know where y'all been, all right? We in the right place, pastor. I love old songs, right? Because we know them, because they're nostalgic. They make us think of old things. Yesterday, I drove my daughter. I wasn't even planning on telling this, but it's just, it fits. I was driving my daughter to the airport, and on the way back, I was feeling kind of sad, so I was listening to old Alan Jackson, and then I went back to Hank Williams Jr., mm-hmm. and then I went to George Jones. Come on, somebody. I mean, it was just good. Those old songs. And I like the old country music. I do. I think it's going to be in heaven. I don't know if it will be or not, but God, please. I don't like the new country. I think it's just new. It ain't country. I just got a little rap in there. I'm like, what? That's not, okay. What are y'all doing? You messing up my genre. 
And that's exactly what we do when God's trying to do something new in our life. And we walk into a new season singing an old song, dealing with the old problems, dealing with the old challenges, because we don't want to shift and we don't want to change. And we don't want to say, God, this is not mine. It's yours. This is not my house. It's yours. This is not my family. It's yours. It's not my relationship. It's yours. These are not my finances. They're yours. This is not my career. It's yours. Do what you want. Oh, God, help us to open our hearts to do what you want. This is what had kept the children of Israel wandering in a desert for 40 years. They got comfortable in a place they weren't called to. I love how we're walking into it. We haven't, can I tell you this? We have not grand opened this building yet. The community that's driving by might know what's going on. And the people that you've talked to might know what's going on. But the whole city and the whole region doesn't know yet what's happening. This is just the beginning, and God is preparing us to walk into, in January, what he's called us to. He's giving us time to prepare. And you're a part of the ground force that is making this thing happen. Aren't you grateful that God chose you to be in the room? Aren't you grateful that God chose you to be on the team? You, can I tell you this? You, those of you who've been here for a minute, or maybe, you're, maybe you just came back, maybe you've been here and then COVID and all this stuff, and now you're just coming back. God shows you to be on the ground floor of Anchor Bend to, to see what God can do in a region when people come together. Aren't you grateful that you get buy-in on the ground floor of something like this? God loves people who say yes. Can I tell you this? He loves people who say yes so much that he's dedicated and committed to them. Do you realize that everybody in Moses' generation said no? And so God did not allow any of them to walk into the promise, except for the two that said, yes, we can. We don't know how it's going to happen, but yes, we can. Yes, we might feel small in their eyes, but yes, we can. Yes, it looks impossible, but we believe that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly if we give what we have and partner with what God wants to do. He uses us to do it. But there are three things I want you to understand. As you step across the threshold, three things that I want to tell you that you need to remember. Number one, this won't be easy. Turn to your neighbor and say, it won't be easy. Tell them this, but it'll be good. Anything good is, is never easy. You ever been really hungry and you come home and you forget to stop at Chick-fil-A God's Chicken? Or it's a Sunday and you drive through on a Sunday. You ever do that and get mad at them for honoring God on a Sunday? You're like, why are you Christians? <laughs> you go home, it's night. You're like, ah, I'll just find something in the house. And then you realize that nobody in your life buys groceries or anything. <laughs> and so you like rifle around in the pantry and you get like some stale chips and you eat two or three of them, right? You're just hoping like that maybe that was just first the ones on top were bad. <laughs> and then you make some popcorn and you, you burn it a little bit so you eat around the burn pieces, but you're still hungry. There's just a little bit of ice cream in the, in the freezer, so you eat that. And you find some old Halloween candy, you're crushing some candy corn, you know what I mean? And at the end of it, you feel worse. Like you're full, but you're not fulfilled. Because you didn't take the time you know, pot roast takes, a it takes time. My wife used to put on, she'd put on a pot roast on a Saturday night. She put it on a Saturday night. It was simmer all night. I get up on Sunday morning to go to church and nearly die because I could smell it. Like, I wanted that for breakfast. 
but I had to wait because it was simmering all the juices. I mean, she put all kind of stuff on there. Tony Sachere, she sprinkled a little crack on there. I don't know what she put on there, but, <laughs> but it was good. I'm sorry for making a crack reference at church. <laughs> Apologize for that. If it's your first time to hear me, I'm sorry. But it, but it, but it took time. The, the problem is some of us, we want a hot pocket anointing. But God specializes in crock pot blessings. And if you'll let him work on you and work into you and understand this is not going to be easy. It's going to take sacrifice. It's already taken sacrifice. You've had to sacrificially give. You've had to believe when you couldn't believe. You've had to trust when you didn't know how to trust. I believe that God is speaking to some of you today. I, man, I feel this. That there are some of you today that God's saying, hey, dig deeper. Get, go through growth track. It's time for you to get on the team. You've been sitting on the bench too long. I feel like I'm just preaching to the church today. Been, been on the bench too long. It's time to stop kicking the tires. Some of you came to Anchor Bend hurt from somewhere else. And I want to tell you right now, I'm sorry that somebody in the body of Christ represented Christ to you in a way that, that, that's not Christ-like at all. I apologize if you got hurt in church or you got hurt by a pastor. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That's not what God wanted to have happen to you. But can I tell you this? It's time to heal up. And the way to heal up is to get on the team, to go all in, to say this is not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. And God's called me to do more. God's called me to give more. I want to thank, I want to say a special, and I, I don't know if Pastor Jim can really say this or not, but I just, I want to say a special thank you to those of you who have given financially, who have sown in. Who, who've come up here and helped clean up and who, who've been a part of the team, you are going to reap the reward. It's an E-R-O-I, eternal return on investment. Every time somebody gives their life to Jesus in this church, you can sit and go, thank you, God, for letting me be a part of that. Thank you for letting me sow into that. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. Number two, we can't stay here. What? We just got here. <laughs> I know. We just got here. We, we just established a beachhead. You, you have a pastor. It's y'all's fault. You decided to go to a church with a pastor who has big vision and not small vision. You know what you know, he's been telling me? Hey, man, this, this, this right here, this is just the beginning. Most pastors are like, this is it. Thank you, God. Finally, I can die happy. He's like, oh, this is just the first place. This, this, we finally, we got it. I mean, he had a vision for a dream center, and that wasn't good enough. It's like, it's not big enough. We, we, we got to go, go bigger. We got we to gotta build more. We got to do, this is the beginning. And then there's going to be more campuses, and there's going to be more territory taken. That's what the children of Israel did. They walked in, they took Jericho, and they kept pushing on in. We can't stay here. You can't stay at the level that you've been at. Well, hadn't I done good enough? Sure. Thank you for what you've done. We're grateful. But you're a part of a church that has big vision. There are more people to reach. There's not a lot of empty seats in here. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? There's not a lot of empty seats in here at the first service. The people who were in the club last night, they'll be at the next service. But what does this mean? This means we've got, to keep, we've got to keep doing all that we can to make certain that we don't get stuck somewhere that God didn't call us to get stuck. Shake yourself. I, I, would, I would encourage you to start praying, God, 
What more have you called me to do? Really pray about it. God, what more have you called me to do? I'm, I'm asking you that. That's not my notes. It's something I feel really strongly right now that you need to start praying. God, what more have you called me to do? Are you talking about finances? Maybe if that's what God's talking to you about. Some people get nervous when the church talks about money. Do you know why? There's a couple of reasons. Number one, because they've been at a church that misused funds or that, you know, just didn't, wasn't, weren't open-handed with it. And I get that. But the second reason is because they just don't like it when people talk about money. Because they're like, that's my money. Y'all, hey, y'all do whatever y'all want. It's my money. Why would God ask you to give money? Does he need your money? When <laughs> he doesn't. He just knows how you operate. Because we can talk about anything else. It's amen. Oh, oh, glory, joy. Yes, I like that, Pastor. Peace. Oh, hallelujah. Money. Hey, all right. Uh, let's see what he has to say about this. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, I have a good heart. Well, if you want to know how good your heart is, follow the money trail. Because that's where your heart is. So, yeah, it may be that God is asking you to really step up, to go all in. To say, okay, God, is that the more you're asking me to do? And I'm challenging you to really pray that. God, what more are you asking me to do? There's some of us who haven't gone through growth track yet, and I don't know why. Maybe you've just been putting it off. It's time. No more excuses. Let's go. We got January coming. We're grand opening this building. Do you realize the thousands upon thousands of lives that are going to be impacted? We need warriors on the ground ready to go. Go through growth track. Get on the dream team. Can't stay here. I love David. If you read about his life, he, uh, he made a lot of mistakes. But he was still known as a man after God's heart. And when I say he made mistakes, I'm talking he, he had an affair. He had the lady's husband killed. I mean, I don't know anybody here who's done that. Um, probably wouldn't be here. You might be in our prison ministry. God bless you guys. So honored to have you watching. Um, but I can tell you, this is not, this is not a really just a good dude. But what made him a man after God's own heart? Well, Psalm 27 and 4, he said this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What is he saying? Oh, I'm just one thing have I desired. Why was he called a man after God's heart? Here's why. Because he was a man after God's heart constantly after the heart of God. God, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to see? God, what do you want to say? It's not about me. It can never be about me. It's got to be about you, God. I'm so grateful that we have a group of people that helped start Anchor Bend, that they set up and tore down at schools and they changed locations and they had hard days and they had rainy days and there were moments I remember when we couldn't get into kids' facilities. Do you realize who gave me the idea to start kids' ministry in the hallways? Your pastor. He opened a door that we didn't even know was there. We got into one of our schools and they were like, yeah, you can't. When we launched, I asked you, what did y'all do? They wouldn't let us in classrooms. He goes, just use the hallways. I was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> he said, yeah, just set up pipe and drape. Oh, God bless pipe and drape and scuba wall. I hadn't seen any here. Hallelujah for the miracle. <laughs> we don't have to break this down after church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> He, listen to me, he used the hallways. He used the hallways 
for kids to learn about Jesus. He used the hallways, the transitional places from one place to another. We said, hey, even when we're in transition, we're going to teach them. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. We're not going to stay stuck in a hallway. I love that God has called us to even use every area of transition to continue to cross the threshold. And the last thing that I want you to remember, number three is remember the promise. You have a promise. I, I feel this so strongly in my heart and my soul today. You have a promise. You are not forgotten. This is why I'm here this weekend. I felt it. I text pastor and I said, hey, I have this weekend off. I didn't have to do anything this weekend, which is rare for a pastor. And I just felt like, hey, can you use me? Can I come in? We're that good of friends. Hey, can I come preach for you? <laughs> Anybody else ask? He's like, mm-mm. And I believe God sent me to remind you that as a church, you have a promise. As a team, you have a promise. I, I love your pastor. He's got a book coming out. It's going to be good. I've read some chapters in it, and it's going to be good. I love the title. It's called Unstuck and Unstoppable. And we've had moments where both of us <laughs> felt stuck and stoppable. And I love that even when you feel stuck and you feel stoppable, you remember it's not about you. I have a promise and I have, ha I have a God who told me that he will be with me, that he will never leave me, that he'll be with me till the end of the world. That even when I feel stuck and stoppable, I have a promise from God. One of my favorite verses of scripture is Deuteronomy 4, 29. It says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. But you don't understand where I've been. I, that, that's why I love this verse of scripture. If from there. But you don't understand my, yeah, wherever your there is, your broken place, your mistakes, your repetitive sin habits, all the mess ups that you've, you've had in your life, if from there you seek the Lord, you will find him. Maybe, just maybe, you're not waiting on God. Maybe God's waiting on you to trust his word, that he's faithful and true, that you're on the threshold of a promise and God's going, come on. Some of us keep going, oh, if the door will open, if the door will just open, if God will just open a door, but the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus said, and if any man will open the door for me, I will come in and I will give him nourishment, strengthen him. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to take the next step. So for you, I don't know what the next step is. But for the children of Israel, what they had to get ready and do the next day was they had to get the priest with the ark on their shoulders. And the priest stood on the edge of the Jordan. Now, if you, if you understand this, when he called them to go was the hardest, I believe this is a word for this church. It was the hardest season. It was the raining season. It was the monsoon season. The Jordan was flowing faster and wider than it normally was. Usually about four miles per hour. When God asked him to cross, it was about 12 miles per hour. 
Usually it's about 80 to 100 feet wide. Monsoon season is 180 feet wide. It's not, a, it's not a comfortable time to finish a building. It's not a comfortable time to grand open a building. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. And God goes, if you'll trust me now. How did they show that they trusted him? The priests took the ark and they stepped first. And when they stepped into the water, the water stopped. And the priests stayed in the middle as all the people walked across on dry ground. So we let worship lead and we let worship follow. And we take the step and God provides the miracle. But you have to take the step. So I don't know what step God is calling you to take, but you do. You felt it today. And I'm asking you to say yes, to go all in on whatever that step is. You felt it today. Whether it's going, going deeper in my giving financially, trusting God more in that area. Some of you felt that today. I felt this while I was preaching. I actually felt it last night while I was doing final prep. I believe God's asked somebody in this church to give a significant amount. And you know who you are. God's called you to do that. Trust him. Take this step. Maybe your step is growth track. Go through growth track. Maybe your step is, okay, I've gone through growth track. I just haven't found a place to serve yet. Find a place to serve. Well, I'm going through so much. I'll tell you the best time to serve is when you're going through so much because nothing gives you great perspective like realizing there are people who have it harder than you and you get to serve something greater than yourself. Oh man, there is a blessing in that. And for whatever reason, I don't know why God works this way, but for whatever reason, God, it unlocks something in God's heart whenever I take a step, even when I don't feel ready, even when I don't feel prepared, even when I don't know what to do, I take a step and God goes, okay, I'm gonna honor that and I'll do something that you could never do. You realize they could have wasted years trying to build a bridge, trying to build boats. When God said, I don't need all of that. If you'll just step in the water, I'll do the rest. And God is calling us today to take a step. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I pray today that they would hear your voice. Do what you have called them to do. Take the step that you are asking them to make today. That we wouldn't wait, God, but today would be our day to go all in, to do exactly what you've called us to do. With nobody looking around right now, the most important step that you can take is to give your heart and your soul to Jesus, to declare that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead so that you can be saved. That's the most important step that you could take today. If you know you came in here and you know, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus, but I'd like to be today. Bible says when you acknowledge him, he will acknowledge you. So with nobody looking around, just lift your hand. Say, that's me. I want, I want to get closer to Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want us to pray this prayer right now out loud. Will you pray with me every voice? Jesus, you're the only one who can save me. I've made so many mistakes, so much sin in my life. I'm laying it before you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross and you rose again on the third day so that I can live free. So in this moment, I repent of my sins. Forgive me, Jesus. I give you my past and my pain, and I receive your love. I receive your mercy. I receive your joy, and I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, 